Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us for the Friday edition OutKick 360 across the OutKick network, live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The weekend is upon us. We've got a big event right here in downtown Nashville. If you're listening to us, you could be watching the Music City Grand Prix. The green flag there in IndyCar will drop on Sunday with events going on throughout the weekend. But the anticipation is coming up right now for the 6th NP Grand Prix to benefit Best Buddies of Tennessee. And uh, Chad, this was something you participated in earlier today your thoughts on the course we've put together here's my advice for those participating in the race and the track very slick inside when you get to turn two know there's an adjustment it's going to get a little bit sticky once you hit the outside concrete and know that the back wheels may move a little bit on you and also watch out for any patrons that may step into the court the track i have tough rooting here t-rex got ants in his pants but i can't root for the titans as is my nature but booster killed ozzy (laughs) it's true (laughs) and my kid is a big ozzy fan when he's little let's meet our uh, competitors today for the inaugural sixth and p grand prix uh starting in the fourth position i'm not sure how we qualified here maybe it's just luck of the draw He's the head brewer for Yeehaw Beer, ladies and gentlemen, John Overby. Johnny! We like breweries. Brewers. Starting on the inside in the second lane, the master distiller for Old Smoky Moonshine, Garrett Beeler. Garrett! The big man. Are you two friends or enemies? Frenemies. We'll see. Frenemies. Uh, also, he's the largest competitor. Yes. Uh, that could come in well if you're looking to knock someone off this track. If he gets Bruce, going downhill, looks pretty big. if Garrett gets going downhill, look out. That momentum will take over, and he's going to win. In the front of the pack, he is how many times? I'm going to just make this up. It's, it's double digits. 11-time Pro Bowl mascot, T-Rack from the Tennessee Titans is here. Everyone but PK is clapping. I think of him as a squirrel. I think he's a raccoon. (laughs) And in our starting position on the pole today, from the Nashville Sounds, Booster the Rooster. He's a chicken, huh? Guys, we're double-checking to make sure that the lanes are clear because clear the lanes. we have plenty of bachelors and bachelorettes that are participating here. We will count this down with, and please join in. On your mark, get, get set, set, go! go. 
Oh, T-Rack, sluggish start. Front wheel was slipping. T-Rack and Booster. Booster. Oh, it creates room. We got to pile up to start. We got a distiller, I think, took the inside. We are going three wide down oh, the backstretch. Oh, the distiller blew it. Booster has a great recovery. I mean, he crashed yeah, immediately he really and then did. immediately got into, into first position. Oh, Again, two laps. Gonna coast. This is where it's going to get tricky. Coming around the final turn is Booster. Oh, there we go. But Along with T-Rack, there's beings, a big pileup. Human beings are having trouble taking advantage of the pileup. <laughs> Come on, you humans! It seems the padding of the mascots have really helped. Very helped. They have no yeah. sense of their bodies as they go into these turns. But and a, they human, don't care. a human is taking the lead. Here we go. We've got John the brewer, in the lead lap. The brewer. Can he hold on around the final turn? Oh, John Overby. The Johnny, head oh, here with Yeehaw takes the checkered flag with Booster coming in second, T-Rex third, Garrett Beeler also Garrett. finishing this race. With Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for John Overby, Johnny. our champion, the, most, the inaugural the most sixth slender, and Grand Prix. The most slender competitor. He definitely uh, looks wonder, like a race car driver. Yeah, I wonder if that had anything to do with his uh, ability. Of our competitors, to get to he looks like a guy who might actually drive a race car. Yeah. So one of the things we were told at, uh, around uh, earlier this afternoon, we were going to race this track, and they did not have the barrier set up yet. And they said, "Guys, you can do this. You can make a lap." But it was Chad and Sleepy Danny. They did not want Chad and Sleepy Danny to go all out in the race. The for words fear were. Of for fear of wrecking, which we saw multiple times. Yeah. A lot the, of wrecks. The words were, don't be overly competitive in the race. Yeah, if you want to go single you? file and then take the, you know, not don't push someone out of this. Yeah. Have they met you? Exactly. Once Sleepy Danny, once he opened that door and he spun out, I was around him and it was over. That was pretty entertaining. Chad was like, you know what, I'm going to take a, a, a quick lap around. I'm just going to survey the scene and you can mic me up. And then first turn. He was, was on. Uh, he was straight like competition. Kong. That was fun. That was a good time. They Exhilarating. Got after, they, we knew the mascots would bring it, right? Mascots always bring it. But Hand, you, uh, elbows, I, I'm serious. Elbows and knees. The mascots were uh, big on. I mean, there were a couple times they took a, a turn, and there was a hard object yeah. right there, and they had no, no regard care. for it. No care. The humans sl slowed down around it. You guys know I took a mascot class once. We need to present this trophy at some point. We oh, he's just John coming come up, up and here. taking it. Come hey, up don't, here, John. Don't touch the trophy, please. Whitney. We're going to put you on a headset. There's John Overby is going to join us uh, momentarily. I mean, um, you think guys go up and just take the green jacket? No, absolutely not. Um, John, you don't listen to them. You take what's yours, sir. John Overby. There hosting, it is. He's hoisting the, the 6th and P Grand Prix trophy over his head. That's a terrific trophy. Grab this flag and drape that over your shoulder as well. Yes. He's got the checkered flag. Is that heavy, sir? Do you also have a country you're representing today that you'd like to drape a flag over you? But the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna treat this like the Stanley Cup later, uh, where uh, we and we've got the guy to do it. Uh, the the head brewer with Yeehaw Beer is uh, putting the headset on and joining us uh, right now. A little uh, aggressive with the trophy, I thought. Yeah, I congratulations. Think. Have you ever watched a golf, a golf tournament or a race? Usually, it gets presented to the winner. Uh, he doesn't just go take it. Well, it was just sitting there. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. This is my first trophy I've ever. You, won. Hey, you you won. You take what's yours. That, thank that's you, the, thank that's you. the way to do it. Yeah, pick that up. Put that back on the pedestal so we can have that uh, with the with our champion. Is it heavy at all? Uh, no. No. It's uh, it is a few ounces. It's uh, uh, Matt. So as as the head brewer here, what's your favorite beer that Yeehaw makes? Or is it like children and you can't name a favorite? Oh, there's a favorite. That's exactly true. I mean, it, it's hard to name a favorite. 
Um, but you have to have a personal taste. Yeah. Not that you think it's the best, but your personal taste preference. I like sours, IPAs, um, any of those. I try to, anytime I make those styles, I try to make them to my taste, which is usually translates to the general public. Um, but, yeah, that's my favorite style. He's a man of the people. Did anything about this race today surprise you, given that I think you took about 47 practice laps around this course before it happened? <laughs> no. That was actually my first time being on one. I did take it around the brewery weeks ago and did a couple donuts, but that was about <laughs> just, it. Just to get on the, the actual yeah. the, the trike. Any, uh, any trash talk to come with? Uh, it's Garrett, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Garrett told me, don't worry about losing because I'm going to lose. Uh, but you saw that I won. Uh, the most trash talking came from the mascots, though. Yeah, They're of not course supposed it did. to talk behind there. <laughs> right. How well, many beers do we have on tap here at Six the Peabody? Uh, we've got 24 taps, uh, but some of them are doubled up. Like some of sure. our uh, main sellers, like the Yeehaw Easy, Cerveza, stuff like that, is on two separate taps, or two, two of the same taps. Cause they sell so quick. So. You know, you know my favorite, cerveza. Cerveza. Every I time. like cerveza and easy. Everything they make here, uh, everything they sell here, is made here. For those that don't know, so you've got the old smoky moonshine yeehaw beer. That's what you get when you come here. But they can turn a, you know, uh, you, if you want a, a margarita, I mean, that's basically what the 360 cocktail is. It's a blackberry margarita. What are the odds we can get a yeehaw 360 beer? I, I'm all about it. Let's speak this into existence. I can absolutely make that happen. Can you make it a sour also, <laughs> since we're kind of sour guys? Y'all are going to all have to. Just to fit with the theme? Y'all just all have to take a vote, and whatever the vote is, all right, we'll do it. Let's all make right. it happen. Let's also start drinking something out of this. Yeah. yeah boy, right here. Let's fill this up again. It's got Bartender. A, this thing is incredible. Have you filled it up before? Because it's got a little no. screw in the bottom. I have a feeling it's going to leak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It also needs to be thrown around like Brady would treat this thing, if can, he wants. Yeah. Can we just it try it out anyways? Yeah. Can we get this thing on the Cumberland River? right now and, and toss it from boat to boat <laughs> yeah, you got something we can get on we're right gonna now lose it <laughs> i love it John there are Overby. some uh some uh you know, some sort of uh what is it uh, transpotainment they call it <laughs> yeah they've got a lot of transpotainment vehicles right outside of here that we could throw it from you know there from you john deere tractor to whatever else is out there be great fun. where are you going to display this um, I think it's staying here. I don't really, <laughs> you don't really have room for it. It's going to go. It's got to be in the brewery for at least a little bit. As Absolutely. long as my name gets put on one of these little plaques, we'll make that I happen. Don't care where it happens. We'll make that happen. Um, um, that, that's a no-brainer. One suggestion is: Can at some point can we put it on our set? Oh yeah, with Outkick 360. Absolutely, yeah. And display it proudly. That's terrific. Because yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie, guys. I also kind of feel like a champion today <laughs> after beating. Sleepy Danny is bad oh, that, as bad as I did. So, so I feel like sleepy. I can I can get part of it. You need a guy Thank who's you. known for sleeping. Danny was so into this today, Paul. First off, he was wearing his equivalent of like a, a, a driver's outfit. It was like solid navy blue, but shorts, the button-up <laughs> Look shirt. At, he looks like a member of the pit crew. <laughs> and he was just walking laps around the track when I saw him, and he said he was getting mentally zoned in and reading yeah. the track as he went along. I, I appreciate his investment in the event. Yeah. And he's here. Right. I mean, he got into it. Um, he's he's dressed like a, a pit crew member. Um, so what beer did you go with, John? You've got a cold one right in front of you. I think it's the IPA. I don't know. Preston just handed it to me. All right. Nice. It tastes delicious, so I think it's IPA. You do most of your brewing in the morning? Uh, it just depends. I have two little kids, so uh, depending on their schedule. They sometimes I come in later. Sometimes I come in early. What is, what is a day like for a brewer? Uh, well, start to finish when you're going through your process. It's really hot. I do a lot of cleaning. It gets even more hot, and then I do more cleaning. Chad, it sounds ideal for you. Yeah. 
Hey, you want to sweat together? <laughs> I'm, I'm great at sweating. I'm sweating right now. Anyone who saw the first segment knows hey, that. Hey, want to take a sauna? I think he's <laughs> describing uh, one of the labs in Breaking Bad with yeah, all, the, all the bats and all the cleaning. That's Where is going Gus Fring in here? What, we, what's his level I on I think uh, we'd make much more choice. money if we were uh, Breaking Bad back there. Yeah, than, for sure. You guys are making a ton as it is. It I is mean, a super lab. Is it is a super packed. lab back there, though, when you walk in there. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, John, you're welcome on the show anytime. Awesome. And if, you, uh, if you're trying out a new – like, how often do you – like? implement a new beer into the mix um is it i know they're seasonal beers yeah we're we're kind of doing like a quarterly thing so like every three months we'll start releasing new beers um but that doesn't mean that i can't just walk in here tomorrow and brew something new well when you do and you need testers you know we're in that (laughs) bring it back there absolutely we'll be your huckleberry hell yeah and your blackberry margarita that's a three john overby he's the head uh brewer here with yeehaw beer and um old smoky moonshine here on on site as well with garrett beeler uh cheers to you man great work 360 thank you thank Um, you he's got the ipa that's on tap here uh, congratulations to John. He is our inaugural 6th and P Grand Prix champion. It all benefits Best Buddies of Tennessee. Bestbuddies.org for more info there. And a portion of all the proceeds that they sell today on all the tastings is going to the Best Buddies program. Hang with us. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com is going to join us. We're going to get back into Titans discussion, observations on the first two weeks of what they've done at training camp. And they're coming up on a stretch where the preseason game is next Thursday. So next week, once we get going next week, there's only one practice prior to some days off and then the travel day to Baltimore. So we'll kind of regroup and see what we've learned about this about this team. And one area I feel like they have got to make sure they implement more this year than they did last year. That's all coming up on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Glad you're with us from 6th and Peabody. Outkick 360 rolls on. Crew's all here. We're ready for the weekend. We've got a big one planned. We've got Brent Hubs coming up in about 15 minutes. We're not done yet. We're going to talk some college football, some NFL over the next 45 minutes to get you on your drive home headed straight for your Saturday. We talked earlier about our general lack of affection for preseason football as a viewing product uh, with so many starters on the bench and safety first being the theme of it but we also acknowledge that America thirsts for any brand of football and we'll take it per Dove Kleinman 5.7 million people watched the Hall of Fame game on NBC without Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams etc 
For reference, the 2022 Stanley Cup Final averaged 4.6 million viewers. And game three of the NBA Finals in 2020 had 5.94 million. That was with LeBron. That was the COVID, uh, the, the bubble, bubble finals. finals. With LeBron on the floor. Any, That's insane. Any LeBron James final game, that, that would beat a NBA Finals game is just So you had uh, crazy. I, yeah, st- I, I mean, still feel like, just from my perspective, like that third, now it's the first Saturday of college football. That's the week before everyone else plays. It's that first Thursday night of college football that to me feels like real games. Yeah. yeah. Because that's always 10 days before the start of the NFL regular season. And it's got the real. first Thursday night of the NFL season's a big deal. The first Sunday's obviously a big deal. But it's that Thursday, Saturday turnaround of college football that feels. Re- but, Paul, you were joking about the, hey, football's back, guys. It's, we're back. Raiders we're all look really good. We're all in. Uh, yeah, I think that's overblown. But also, I'm not going to. I'm not going to fight with those numbers. People want to watch whatever they can get their hands on. I mean, comparing that, the USFL, I think the best game did 3.5, between 3.5 and 4 million. You know, if you, and that was a great number for what you want in the springtime. But well, that's what's football a in the spring. Game I mean, well, that's an know, impressive they, number on compared national to other TV, sports. They but. averaged around 900,000 a week, I believe, and that was including all of the FS1 broadcasts. Everything included, if you divided it, no, but what's US, a, USFL got about 900 grand What's a, a regular season NFL game do compared to $5.7 million for the Hall of Fame? Oh, I mean, um, they're, they're the, the Dallas, the Dallas um, Rams. Was it Rams? Yeah. Or, I'm trying to think that of who they. That was the first Sunday night game, I think. They, they dominated. There were 40 million people that tuned yeah. in at certain, certain right. points so of the game. So as big as 5.7 million is against other sports, yeah. against itself, but to, like, against itself in meaningful stuff. Keep in mind, like, we didn't even talk about the Hall of Fame game uh, until yesterday when we realized it was happening. Right. This is a game that no one realized was happening, and they still pulled 5 million people to, to watch right. it. There's no anticipation. Well, it's just, it's there's, incredible. There's still, it sounds crazy for most people because not we don't think about just sitting down in front of a television and flipping channels or going to your guide and finding something to watch live. There's still a large part of America that will sit down, they will go to their cable box guide, yeah. and they will look at the networks first. They'll start with Channel 2, and they will work their way down, and if they see NFL football, Raiders, Jags, they're going to click on it and, and watch. On it, at least for a while. Watch 10 minutes of it, at least, and just see what's happening. So there's that's a big chunk of people that's going to do that. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Josh McDaniels was going for it for the win uh, last night. It reminded me of the old uh, the Norm Chow story that I've heard from Fisher before. Have I told you guys this? Whenever he first became the offensive coordinator, it was the first preseason game, and Fisher was not taking timeouts late in the game. They trailed by it was seven or eight points. It was a one-possession game. And... <laughs> And Chow is just losing his mind in the press box. Coming from the college game. Right. Because he is just, he's like, why are we not trying to stop the clock? Why are we not stopping this play clock? And uh, they were like, no one tries to win these games. Like, it's a preseason game. Who cares? Chill out. On? And, you know, they're on the road. They're he trying to get out of there. Relate to it. Couldn't and he relate. goes, this NFL defies logic. <laughs> Which he could, it does. He could not figure out why you would not try to play for the win. I mean, preseason does defy logic yeah. because we joked about me in the tricycle race earlier. It defies logic to me if once things are going, yeah. I'm going to at least try <laughs> to win. I'm not going to try to hurt myself at this point to do it, but I'm going to try to win. 
the preseason, it does defy competitive logic because you really are just trying a few things out, and there's no concern about the clock hitting zero and you being behind when it hits zero. But we've come a long way. None. Because there were times, I think this is over, there were times for teams, including the Tennessee Titans in Nashville, where winning a preseason game had some significance at, at the bottom. Like, it might not have, but Bud Adams wanted the Titans to win certain games, have a winning preseason, boost things at the box office, get some buzz going. Winning preseason now gets no buzz going for your team. Yeah, I mean, they, we've seen terrible teams. The 0-16 Lions team, I think, four and might have been something. 4-0 in the preseason. Right, yeah. I mean, well, and I think it has when you're, no translation to buzz about your team. I think when you're, you know, you're selling the NFL to a new market, that's a predominant college market when you're coming in. I can understand where, where Bud Adams like, if we can win it, let's go ahead and do it because people are going to like that. People are going to like a 4-0 or 3-1 preseason. And even though we know it doesn't matter, there could be the random ticket buyer that says, damn, this Tennessee Oilers team is pretty good. I'm going to buy some tickets over at Vanderbilt Stadium. When they move to the Tennessee Titans, I'm going to try to buy a PSL because they're winning early on. They, well, don't, they don't really understand the dynamics but I, of the league. I think, they, I think this is not So just, I can understand that just, mindset. Not just here in Nashville, but league-wide, I think they have realized that they can get the fan base to tune in or to show up and spend money, and they really don't even have to try. Like, you... You don't have to trot out the, the the starting quarterback for one series, for three snaps, just to appease the fans Sal that showed Malik up. Willis in the fourth they, quarter. They've realized they don't have to do that, and maybe at the forefront of some new franchises and maybe just trying to spin it towards we need ratings and we need more money. Now they're at a point where they – I mean, one of their highest-rated events is a weekend that doesn't even include the ball they play with with the NFL draft. Yeah. So they literally don't have to do anything when it comes to kicking the football Well, and off. We, we've, we've talked about this for years. You know, preseason attendance doesn't matter. Right. If the tickets are sold and people don't show up, they really don't care yeah. at the end of the day. It's honestly just an easier night for them in stadium operations if it's not a, like close to a sellout or, you know, a fourth of the people are there. Like They don't care. Uh, I think that Bill Bidwell was the first one to figure out I don't have to sell a single ticket, and I'm going to make a ton of money based off television rights. So I thought the Cardinals in that era were the first team that didn't put a lot into it and eventually got in some trouble for it. But they just realized, I don't have to win. I'm one of these 32 teams that's going to get a huge check and going to cover all my expenses with what we're getting in the revenue sharing. And if we sell tickets, great. That's just icing on top of the cake, and they don't really care. Most markets don't think of it that way. They want a great atmosphere for their team. They want a sellout crowd. They don't look around and think, oh, who cares? No one's here. I mean, they, they understand all that. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's been owners over the years that figured out doesn't matter if we sell tickets. Well, we've got Brent Hubbs uh, in just a moment. And um, I, I know I've been discussing the, the two tight end personnel for the Titans. We'll, we'll try to get to that uh, after we talk with Brent. If not, it will be a, a big point of emphasis on Monday where we will go uh, heavy Titans discussion uh, with what they've done with Arthur Smith versus what we saw with Todd Downing. Todd Downing, by the way, who had a background of 11 personnel in Oakland, where he came from, ran a lot of 11 personnel last year. Meanwhile, Tannehill's success has been on too tight. So we will uh, get to that in just a moment. I do want to also mention Matthew Stafford, who we, we mentioned this briefly yesterday about the the elbow pain 
and McVeigh saying that you know it was it was a uh, it was significant elbow pain. The quote that he used was abnormal for a quarterback with the tendonitis in his elbow. <laughs> well, who else is having tendonitis? Ab- in abnormal elbow? for a quarterback. Um, I wonder if he's saying like it's more normal for a pitcher. Like I'm trying to compare it. Like what? Yeah, someone... left tackle's not having tendonitis yeah. in his elbow. Yeah, so I don't know. He's not throwing. He says it's a little abnormal for a quarterback. Some of this stuff is things that MLB pitchers deal with. So it's something that we're kind of learning about on the fly with his feedback. And he stressed that Stafford could do more in practice. He could probably play in a game this week, is what he said, probably play in a game this week. But they're holding him back to try to figure out exactly uh, his health status as they prepare for week one, which is on that Thursday, September the 9th? 8th. 8th. Thursday, September the 8th. Almost a month. Today's the 5th. This scares me, quite frankly. Tendonitis and anybody who does throwing should scare you and to call it abnormal in a quarterback these are alarming words here's what's here's what's worrisome here are their backups (laughs) john wolford is their second string quarterback right now in los angeles um he's been there but he's a he's a backup from from wake forest uh behind him they have a battle for three and right now with the tendonitis i guess they're leaning that direction don't know uh, but they got two guys that could pass waivers and be on the practice squad, too. Well, he wasn't playing in the preseason no matter what. But right. you'd like him to be practicing. No, he's not practicing, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bryce Perkins is the third string right now from Virginia. And Luis Perez from the oh, USFL yeah. is there in camp with them. Luis, who I saw getting into an Uber the day after the USFL debut when he was the starting quarterback in the game, Bible in hand, taking an Uber what? to church the next morning as I was leaving on, on Sunday. Yeah, you on Easter Sunday. Brent Hubbs joins us from Knoxville where the balls are underway preparing for their regular season opener against Ball State. And uh, he joins us from BallQuest.com as we get the latest on Rocky Top. Brent, good to hear from you, man. Hope things are well. Uh, doing great. Hope you guys are doing well. What is the number one headline based on your observation and coverage at the site with the start of Tennessee's practice regimen? Well, I think on the thumbs-up side, it's the rhythm that the quarterbacks and the receivers are in. You can tell that they spent a ton of time throwing this offseason. Not a lot of balls on the ground. Their timing seems to be good. Um, They seem to be in a really good chemistry and a really good rhythm with each other. So I think that's certainly a thumbs-up for the first few days of camp. I think the questions about this team remain the same in some particular areas. What are they going to do at left tackle? Um, and how does the secondary sort out? They've got more pieces to play with in the secondary, but how do they put that puzzle together? I don't think we're going to know the answer to that for probably two or three more weeks, two and a half weeks, but, but they've got more pieces to work with, and, and what does that puzzle look like? Now, you got the arrival of Lynn J. Dixon. That's a storyline as well. We'll see what he does after he gets acclimated. Uh, he practiced for the first time on Thursday, and um, he didn't know whether to go left or right between drills. So he, he's got a lot to learn, which you would expect, and, and we'll see how he attacks that. Well, welcome to the world of immediate transfer eligibility. Lynn J. Dixon was somewhat productive at Clemson, transfers uh, for his final year at West Virginia, doesn't like his situation at West Virginia, gets in his car, drives to Knoxville. Uh, he's there to watch some practice, and then he decides, hey, I'm going to be a Vol uh, this year. So. How big is the Lynn J. Dixon uh, addition for depth at running back, Brent, and do you see him being a contributor this season? 
Well, I mean, I think from a talent standpoint, you could argue that he's as talented, if not more talented, than anybody they've got in their meeting room. Uh, and that's not a knock on Jabari Small, but you look at what Lin Jay did his first two years at, at Clemson. I think it was 11 touchdowns and 1,200 yards rushing or something like that in his first two seasons. It went south after that and um, limited touches, limited playing time. I, I don't know why or what happened there. I know there was a, a coaching change with the running back coach, uh, but for whatever reason, he wasn't the right fit for them the last couple of years. He had interest in Tennessee before he ever went to West Virginia. Tennessee wasn't going to take him because of where they were in the running back rotation and what they looked like at running back. But with the injury to Lynn J. De- or with the injury to Lenith Whitehead, excuse me, um, they're sitting there right now with Jabari Small, who missed a handful of games last year, um, and Jalen Wright, who's an undersized guy, and then two guys who have never never taken a snap in the college game before, and that's a running back room. So I think they just felt like after the injury to Dixon or to Whitehead, um, they didn't have a choice but but to take somebody else. And Lin J. Dixon was certainly the best available in the portal. And um, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think he could be a guy who emerges and everybody kind of goes, wow, he could really help this team. Um, you know, or, or maybe he doesn't adapt to it at all. You know, I, I think part of this is on Lin J. Dixon, too. I mean, you're late getting here. Um, it's not necessarily your fault, but you're just now getting here. You're a week into camp. You don't know anything about this offense. How much are you going to attack that? Are you going to live in the film room? Are you going to be a sponge? Or are you just kind of getting through the day? So we'll see where Lynn J. Dixon's mentality is as this thing moves forward. Brew McCoy was a big-time recruit when he originally went to USC, transfers to Tennessee. He's out there on the practice field, but still not completely eligible to play for the Vols. Brent, I feel like Tennessee should have a pretty open line with the NCAA on all issues right now. Uh, what is the holdup with Brew McCoy? And is Tennessee confident he's going to be ready for the Ball State game? Uh, Tennessee is confident. They, they feel good about it. Um, we'll see. I think it's one of those deals, the longer it goes, the, to me, the more concerned you get. If you, if you don't know an answer to it in the middle of next week, then I think you start to, to get some pretty serious concerns going on. Uh, some of this is just some things, some formality things, kind of closing out uh, USC. Uh, this is not a NCAA necessarily eligibility situation. Uh, there's some dialogue with, with USC that's going on, and uh, I think USC's got to wrap some things up and close some stuff out there. Um, if they take care, if they do that, uh, then, then I think Bruce McCoy is going to be fine, and I think in the end that'll happen. I don't think in this day and age any school wants to be known as a school that is trying to block somebody from going somewhere or doing something when we live in a world of the the current one-time transfer that may turn into you can be a free agent every year if you want to. So I think ultimately it's going to end up working itself out, um, you know, uh, maybe middle of next week. But again, if you get to middle to end of next week and there's nothing new there, then then I think you got some, some more bold. In sports, we all love a good name, and Squirrel White is one of the best. Freshman at Tennessee, little guy, but a lot of speed, a lot of quickness, a lot of playmaking ability. You've seen some of that on the practice field so far, Brent. What do you think about his chances of making an impact early? I think he'll play early, and I think he'll make an impact early. Uh, They don't have anybody like him on their roster. You look at their wide receivers. 
a lot of their receivers are taller, bigger guys, bigger frame guys. Uh, th this guy's a, a jitterbug who can uh, be dynamic in space. He's got great quickness. Um, so I, I think he will play and, and will be a factor early for Tennessee. I think he's a little tougher than his than his body size uh, looks like he would be. I'm not saying that, that he can just get hammered all the time and be fine, but I, I think he took some pops in the spring and bounced back up. Uh, I think they like his toughness. I, I think he probably plays a little bigger than what his frame and his size says it is. Um, I think he's done a great job this summer working with Hendon Hooker and learning this offense and, and understanding uh, all the things you need to do uh, in the slot. And uh, I do think he's going to help this team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Brent Hubbs with us, VolQuest.com, the site. Brent, we've talked uh, throughout the offseason about concerns defensively, where they need improvement. Have you seen areas of their defense so far where you feel like maybe they've, they're have they leaning towards or at least seen aspects of finding an answer? Or do the questions remain the same until we kick off? Uh, I, I think in large part the questions remain the same. Um, they have more bodies to choose from. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They're deeper in the secondary for sure. Uh, they're deeper at linebacker. I think the question with that depth is do the coaches trust that depth to the point that they're going to play those guys? They had seven guys a season ago that played 700 snaps or more on defense. Seven out of 11 starters played that much on defense. They want to play more people. Do they have the do they have the trust to do that? Can those guys earn that trust? I think is a big question mark. I don't think we'll know the answer to that till uh, we're a couple of scrimmages in. Uh, but there, there's hope and optimism that they can play more than the 13, 14 guys they played uh, the entire season a year ago. That's a big key for this defense. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's this infusion of an All-American or anything like that. Uh, right now, I think there's some young guys who have some talent, uh, but the, the, big, the biggest thing to help this defense is it, so that they don't wear down in the fourth quarter and they don't wear down late in the season is do they play more players and, and, and do they go and, and really force that depth moving forward? We'll see. That's To me, that's ultimately on the coaches that have the confidence to do that. We'll see if they end up having that confidence. Linebacker coach and uh, staff seem so excited about Jawan Mitchell. Hasn't been fully healthy, they say, in, in uh, two years, two years plus. Uh, what would a healthy version of Mitchell mean? Well, I think it would mean a great deal, Paul. Um, he's a bigger guy. He's certainly bigger than Aaron Beasley. Um, he's been more productive. I mean, he had a great year at Texas, uh, kind of a tackling machine. Um, whether he beats Beasley out for a job or not, just again, go back to the, to the point I was making about the rotation. Just to have a, a third or fourth linebacker you can play. I mean, last year, Jeremy Banks couldn't come off the field. Um, they brought Beasley off a little bit and played Solon and Page some, but that was not a whole lot. Uh, they need a quality third linebacker, fourth linebacker there, and, and we'll see who, who that ends up being. Mitchell's a good story right now. He's got to go out and consistently do some stuff, though. So, Brent, when I say the name Joe Milton, most Vol fans immediately start uh, imagining – uh, air mailing wide open receivers against Pitt, running out of bounds the last play of the game, needing a win against Ole Miss. A lot of negative feelings about Milton. But I also look at the quarterback situation at Tennessee, and I think to myself, that's a real luxury to have. Two guys with that amount of experience in major college football. 
and Joe Milton stayed where he could have gone and tried to start somewhere else knowing he wasn't going to enter the season as the starter. What does that decision say about Milton and how well off is Tennessee at starting quarterback and backup quarterback because he stayed? Well, it's a nice luxury because your backup's not a freshman who's been on campus for eight months, which wouldn't be the case otherwise. So there's no doubt it's a, it's a luxury. Uh, a guy who's played at, at the Power Five level and has had some success. Uh, I don't know how many other options Milton would have had out there had he gone into the portal. Maybe he'd have had a bunch. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I'll say this. Joe Milton's in the best shape he's ever been in. He's leaner than he was a year ago. And in talking to people, he committed himself more this offseason than he was a season ago when he was, you know, penciled in as the starter and then was the starter ultimately. Uh, he's worked on some things mechanically. He is throwing the ball better right now than, than we've seen him throw it in terms of some of that underneath touch stuff. And I can't say I've seen him hit deep balls because we, we see routes versus air. Uh, but there's not a lot of balls on the ground, so his accuracy has, has been good. I don't know how it's translated, you know, in, in all the seven-on-seven seven work, but um, it's a nice luxury to have him. And he's a better football player than, than he was a season ago. I, I think that there's a calmness to him that we did not see um, on the practice field at times. He was a little bit hyper sometimes last year. There's a calmness about him, and he seems to be playing well. He and Hooker have developed a terrific relationship. They room together. They feed off each other. And uh, Joe's very happy to be here. He's very comfortable with, with himself and where he's at right now. And uh, I think it's a great luxury for Tennessee to have two guys like that in their quarterback room. Brent, what's the upcoming schedule for the Vols? And uh, that would coincide with great coverage at the site. Well, they practice. They were off today. Today was a mandatory off day. Uh, they will practice uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. The first major scrimmage is on Tuesday. We'll start to learn about them then. Uh, off on Wednesday, and then they practice the, the rest of the week, and uh, we'll get ready for their second scrimmage the following week. So um, Tuesday's a big day. I mean, because you've got to find, you, you got to start to find some answers, you know, in some areas. I mean, start to shake out the left tackle situation. Where are you on the defensive interior? You know Amari Thomas is there. Dejon Terry uh, played some last year. You feel like he can help you there. Who else is going to help in there? Is Brightson Easton ready to, to move into that role? Elijah Simmons, we seemingly have talked about for a couple of years now. Uh, can he put it together with any kind of consistency? Uh, so Tuesday's a big day. I, I'm not saying you, you make your decision on whether a guy can help you or you can't help you on Tuesday. Uh, but you need some guys to step to the forefront on Tuesday and start to, to, to give you some optimism and belief that they're, you're going to be able to count on them for sure. Best guess right now, and this could just be a one-name answer for you, Brent, who's the first to play at left tackle in that scrimmage next Tuesday? J.J. Croft would be my best guess right now. Fair enough. Is that good news? Is that well, good news for I don't, I don't Honestly, Brent, uh, jump in on this, but – I don't know what's good news between the three guys right now. I don't really know enough about any of the three to really have someone that Tennessee fans would be rooting for to win the job. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, just because Crawford goes out there, that, I'm not suggesting he's in the league or he's the guy or anything like that. I think he goes out there because he's 
got some experience. He's played a little bit. Um, you know, I, Dane Davis is kind of a swing guy. He can play right or left. He's played right most of his career. Ultimately, I think if Dane Davis wins, if Dane Davis is the second tackle on this team behind Darnell Wright, and you may see Darnell Wright flip back to left tackle and Dane Davis play right tackle because I think he may be a little bit more comfortable there at, at right tackle. Uh, so I think you'll see Crawford first and, and then Mincy will be there and those guys are going to split time and, and we'll see how this thing shakes out. And, you know, Glenn Ellerby met with the media on Thursday and uh, he said, listen, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but what you hope is that after the first scrimmage you got a pretty good idea how it's going to start to shake itself out and then by the time you finish that second scrimmage you know who your guy is we'll see if that happens brent hubs ballquest.com joins us each friday going into the weekend football is here for the practice on the hill there in rocky top and uh regular season just around the corner ballquest has got you covered brent thank you so much man we appreciate the time this evening all right guys have a great one you too thanks brent great weekend uh, Brent Austin, their entire staff there, they've got you covered for all Top things notch. Big Orange. Absolutely. Well Ballquest.com, the website. We get you ready for the weekend. What to watch as far as what's on the horizon whenever we return for next week's shows and football practices this weekend. I'll tell you where I'll be. And, uh, of course, there's plenty going on with practices with your favorite team. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Getting you to the weekend across the Outkick Network, Outkick 360 with you. Live 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central, right here on your favorite station. And across the Outkick Network platform, which includes all of the streaming platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, but also streaming live now daily at Outkick.com. Hit up Outkick. Find us at the top, going live at 2 o'clock Central. Hit play. You've got us. It's I think it's just... On that simple. I think it's even on your personal feed. It's on my uh, yeah. Titans I gotta Facebook get, uh, page feed. i got to get with the Facebook uh, deal. Oh, I, heard, no. I, heard, yeah. I heard our production crew talking about it the other it's day. The They're bane like, of your existence They said, right you know, uh, Hutton and Paul have really good Facebook followings and we've done really well when the, oh, it's yeah. the videos we post on their site and I'm thinking, oh, apparently Chad doesn't. <laughs> apparently Chad doesn't. That's an area where I lack is Facebook, which is absolutely the area where I lack. I you check want, it my, you want full once every four days, and I just look at my notifications. I don't check it at all. see if there's anything interesting. I don't check it at all. I've got, I don't know if it's Sleepy Danny or who's doing it. Um, it's on there. I hope it's not Sleepy Danny. Well, it's on uh, mine. In, in charge of my Facebook page. But, yeah, they, they stream it live. They have access to it. Well, I have. Um, A little scary. That's so I, here, here's where I see Facebook. <laughs> you guys probably have the same thing. When you post something on Instagram story and it goes to Facebook story because yeah. it's owned by Facebook or Meta 
And, uh, yeah, you get the response. I get, like, the fire emojis on Facebook on my messenger. Yeah. And I'll go and look at it, someone responding to my Instagram story. And I always have to think for a second, I haven't even been on this app. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Yeah, it all goes the same place from Instagram. So oh, one big that's where I'm at. But I apparently I need to grow my Facebook audience. That's the, the next frontier. Here's what's great about Outkick 360 now. I tell everyone this. Whatever you have, we're pretty much there. So yeah. if you really wanted to find it just or look. if you're just following us and you go, you're going to see it especially between the hours of 3 to 6 Eastern time, 2 to 5 Central, you're going to see all the different ways you can listen, watch, whatever you want to do to it. Uh, while, while we have a quick second, and then we'll, I'll tell you where I'm, what I'm doing this weekend. Big thanks to our Outkick crew for making it happen today. Yeah, they did a great job. Uh, Charles Hunnell, we've got Dylan Taylor, Corey Taylor, no relation that I know of there between Dylan and Corey. Uh, Davey Hudson, uh, Danny Coughlin. Third Jacob cousins Swanson, with the same last name. Shocking. Tyler Castle, uh, and then the great – crew um, here on site with uh, Preston Johnson and uh, their entire staff uh, boots on the ground here, Adam Warren, of course, uh, who sent us a nice text about the show today on stage. And uh, Albert Hainsworth, Sarah Walsh, uh, Brooke Williamson, who's here today as well. Uh, we, we thank everybody for participating in the 6th and B Grand Prix. And uh, guys, I think I'm going to check out the Music City Grand Prix on Sunday. Tomorrow, I'm going to the Vanderbilt scrimmage. I want to see why Mike Wright is the starting quarterback before practice even started. And this you year. you will be there with Clark Lee, yeah, in some Clark, capacity as a as a guest, correct? Yes, uh, Clark is uh, letting us mic him up during the scrimmage, and we will be observing through Outkick his his presence his on process. the field, his That's process, cool. and then uh, yeah, I want to see that the, the post practice interview will take place next weekend. And we will compare notes and actually dive in on what's ahead of him because That's awesome. I'm going to find out why he set the goals where it is on the distant horizon of being the best in the SEC versus just trying to snap a 21-game SEC losing streak. Yeah, I, that's going to be great. I can't wait to check that out. Also, I gave Corey Taylor hell for not getting me this towel quick enough in the first segment. Yeah. But in all seriousness, our crew did a terrific job. It's a huge production Start to challenge. finish. Some yeah. guys were here as early as 8 this morning. Oh, the I background mean, was great. The sound was great. And I, I felt like uh, it was Ryan really Albanese. Good. Shout out Ryan Albanese. Yeah, Ryan. With the, yeah, Ryan Albanese came down here yeah. with, I think, his own drone. He had the drone. And uh, did some drone footage. So. Opening weekend of EPL. And Big they hooked me up. Late start for Chelsea at 11.30. Tomorrow, I'm excited to watch Pulisic and the troops. But also, I will say once again to Corey, next time, give me the towel flicker. Towel ahead. When I'm, when I'm pouring sweat in the first segment. And Colin Warner flat out getting it done as the uh, director of operations for the Outkick Network. We are back live on Monday. Oh, we're right back here baby. from 6th and Peabody. Football's back as well. You tell that bartender that we're back. Have a terrific weekend. Don't block the box. Do lock your locks. <laughs>